0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Hey everyone, thank you for the tzchus to, um, to come back to Muncie. It's always uh, very exciting to come back to Muncie. That's where I started. I was probably the least voted to ever be speaking at Muncie as a kid. So, um, so the, I, was, I was actually talking today... Um, to a girl that happens to be for months and she came in to speak to me, she's struggling very bad in school, very hard in school, very very hard um, hard to understand, sometimes teachers say things that are very hurtful and um, she's, she's struggling, she's a little bit learning disabled she's struggling, whatever it is and there was a, another girl that was much worse off than her and um, really really struggling and the girl made a joke in class, whatever it is, and this girl laughed. And the teacher turned to her and said, "You know what's going to happen to you because you laughed when this girl made a joke, and and she's not doing that well, and you laughed and you embarrassed her. Your children are the children I'm is going to give you are exactly going to be like her, like a curse. I don't know what I don't know what this teacher why she said it, but uh, this this girl was." It was trauma, she was traumatized totally traumatized so now God forbid if anything ever happens to her kid when she's pregnant she's going to worry about her kid but she got totally totally out of hand totally totally out of control so I told her that um, the ones that struggle the people that struggle they end up doing the most in the world and if we I've spoken about this before the, the Tzadikim and the Shabeno struggled very very much he couldn't speak. Um, he didn't live. He didn't live with Klai and in Mitzrayim. He lived in Midjan. He went through a very hard life. Nobody ever said thank you to him. They were always complaining. You took us out of Mitzrayim to kill us. At a certain point, they said to Akers "I can't. I can't carry them anymore." Um, he, he got to that point where he said I can't carry them anymore and, and he became a Benu and David HaMelech we know struggled a lot became David HaMelech I, guess if it's all, I talk about struggle muscle I talk about it I talk about it very very much but I saw that she wasn't chapping what I was saying she was a young girl she didn't chap what I was saying so I told her I'll give you a, a marshal that you should understand what I'm saying this guy decided that he's going to climb Mount Everest very few people ever made it to the peak there's a snowstorm and people die and it. It's, very few people make it to the peak of Mount Everest. He decided he's a mountain climber. He trained for years and years and years and years. He's going to make it. So to make a long story short, it took him a year and a half from section to section. Finally, he gets to the top of Mount Everest. And he's it's amazing. All the work and the hard work and, and the falling and the being picked up and the people that died on the way up. It's not normal that so he finally got up there and he's thinking to himself, I'm going to write a book. They're gonna make a movie about me. It's amazing. And he's standing there basking in his glory, right? And there's a kid that walks over to him. He says, Hi, what are you doing up here? He says, How old are you? He says, I'm nine. Says, how'd you get up here? No nine year old kid could get up to the top of the mountain. So, what do you mean, how'd I get up there? I've been up here all my life. What do you mean, been up here all your life? He said, My parents climbed this mountain. Many years ago, and uh, they decided to to build a shack and a tent, and I was born up here. You were born up here? I was born up here. Manashtana, what's the difference? The kid had no excitement, had no work, had nothing. I'm here. This is where I am. The other guy, he worked so hard to get up there. his appreciation for the whole mountain, for every part of the mountain that he climbed, for being at the top of the mountain, for fighting nature, for everything that he went through. The appreciation of reaching that peak is is, is unbelievable. To this kid, living at the peak it means nothing. And that's why the says that... Right? Ain't Tzadik Gomorrah he made? Because because the the, the Tzadik, let's say he was born that way. Tzadik he was born that way. His parents were like that. He went to yeshiva. Everything was normal, right? So he's taka keeping Shabbos and learning Torah and doing everything he can. But the trip to get there is very different than the trip where a guy was, came to an, was born to a non-From family and he's struggling. he's struggling and he's struggling still, and it's hard to they're not accepted and all this. And he went through all of that. His appreciation of a Shabbos. The thing in Kirov that works more than anything else, in Makar v'chaykim, not, not, not people who were ever from before, but people who were never from before, is the biggest Koyach Shabbos. They sit at a Shabbos table and they're in awe. They're in awe of the silver cup. They're in awe of the Kiddush. They're in awe of the challah. They're in awe of the, the kids saying their Torahs. They're in awe of smires. We're born into it. It's like, get finished with the Zmiras already. You know, let's get to the main dish. It's very, very different. We don't have that... We don't have that appreciation. We think they're weird. Oh, well, Jews are weird. Right? They're different. Like, they don't talk by that. I mean, they get all annoyed if, you, if, you, if your phone goes crazy. Right? Because they work very hard to get where they were, where they are. And, and a lot of us don't work very hard to get where they are. So I told this girl, I said, what just happened to you? I don't even know how I would have dealt it if my teacher said to me, you're going to have children like that because you laughed." I, I don't even know what I would do. I don't know what I would say. I would walk. She's a young girl. She's like... like cursed her, like, what are you saying, like, why would you say that to her, go out, say you should be nicer, sometimes when you laugh, it hurts a person's feeling, talk to her, in front of the whole class, you see, you can have children like this, so, she left my office, I said, that's, that's the things that we go through in life, that builds, that builds struggle, so, when I come to Muncie, for me, it's a big thing, a lot of you were born here, Hashem, Kishiv, everything was good, I, I didn't have such a, I had a little bit of a struggle. I was definitely voted the least possible ever to say a she'er in, in anywhere in the world. That's for sure. So it's a very special when I get on that palisades and I get off and I'm like, ah. So thank you for giving me, for being my therapist tonight and giving me the ability to come back here and say a she'er. So I'm going to read a letter tonight. Remind me if I don't read it at the end of the shear which everybody in the world is waiting for me to read. This is the first place that I'm going to read it. I haven't read it yet. I mentioned in my last two weeks in my shirim that I would read this letter. I just forgot it every time I came to a shir, but I made sure that I brought it with me tonight. And just make sure that I don't forget to read this letter. It happens to be a letter from a girl that didn't live in Muncie itself, but around here. Okay, but anyway, we're going to get to that at the end. So we're going to ask a bunch of questions. And we're going to try to answer all these questions with two answers. Question number one. So, when you become a speaker... There's certain vocabulary words that are called power words, right? Juxtaposition. That's like a, if you could get that word into your speech, it's like, wow, this guy's intelligent, right? But certain words, you, yeah, right? Another word that's very powerful is paradox. Paradox means two things, like an oxymoron, it's also a good word. Um, that paradox is like two things that are opposites of each other. Pesach Night by the Seder is a total paradox. Why? And, and a lot of kids don't really know, a lot of people don't really know what, what are you acting out? What are you supposed to be, right, at the Seder table? The first Manashtana says, forget, forget, before we get to Manashtana, before we get to Manashtana, Halach Anya, Dachholu, right? Matzah is the poor man's bread. There's a, I'm not going to say what the name of the factory is, but there's a matzah factory in Borough Park. They make the most amazing matzahs. It happens to be... They're so thin that when you hold one end, the other end cracks. So whoever knows what it is, what it is. So for their whole weave, it's $45 a pound. For the regular, it's $40 a pound. So halach <laughs> if you have to buy for your family, you've got no money left. Okay, so you can it on that matzah. But it's it's crazy expensive. You have to buy from Straw and this and that, whatever it is. halach ma'an is... matzah is a poor man's bread, we know all the different reasons, you break it, a person who doesn't know what they're going to eat at night, they save their food because they don't know what they're going to eat at night, so matzah, you take a little piece and put the rest in your pocket, bread, you're eating a sandwich, you don't take a piece of the sandwich and put it in your pocket, but matzah, you can put it in your pocket, so it's a lachmai, the poor man, he doesn't know he's going to have supper tonight, so he he breaks his matzah, so matzah is a poor man's bread, it never rose, right, so a, a poor man's he has low self-esteem His steam is not up there because he's a poor man it's, it's made out of very plain ingredients There's no flour, there's no water There's no eggs, there's no yeast So there's many reasons that matzah is cool Also when you eat it, you, can, you can't digest it At least for a couple of days So it makes you feel full, right? So poor people would eat matzo Because it didn't run through their system they, They'd feel more full So it's a poor man's bread Okay all of the nights we eat challah and bread and seven-layer cake. Not every night, but I look look. I look like I like I do have a lot of cake. I eat a lot of cake. But tonight we're only eating matzah. Okay. Second manashtana. Right? All of the nights we eat salads. All kinds of salads. Avocado, tomatoes, whatever. Tonight, bitter, bitter, bitter. Tomorrow. So right now... If I only heard the first two Manashtanas, it seems to be that when I'm acting out tonight, what I'm supposed to be, is a poor man, right? Then we get to the Manashtana. So really, the Manashtana is because the the child doesn't understand Manashtana, what's going on over here. This is not a normal night. There's a very famous kasha. And the kasha is, why doesn't he ask? It used to be different than it is today. But in the old days, the question was like this. Why doesn't he ask all other nights? Because it looks like a Yontaf table. It looks like a Shabbos table. We drink one cup of wine. Tonight, we drink four cups of wine. Now today... When people go spend $150, $200, the cave, the shmeds, this, the machpelah, all kinds of different play, right? So they see their father drinking four cups every Friday night. But in the old days, you didn't see a father drinking four cups every night, every Friday night. You saw one cup. So why doesn't the child ask his father, on all other nights, we drink one cup, what's with the four cups? So the Territz is Parshat. Sounds like a huge kasha, but it's a very easy answer. Because he's asking about what he sees at the table. Right now at the table, he doesn't see four cups. He sees one cup. So it looks to him like a regular kiddish, So he wouldn't ask the question. But, well, the other stuff on the table doesn't make sense. What, what's this, this horseradish? What's this white horseradish? It's terrible. You eat a little bit with your fish, and it's sweet with beets. What's going on over here? Right? And what's this matzah? So he's asking what he sees. He doesn't understand. So the wine, he didn't see. He only saw one cup. He didn't see four cups. So he doesn't have a question yet. Okay. Then comes the dipping. Also changed. And when I grew up, there was no dips on your table, no such thing. You know, it's a You would go there to show the poor people, so they would have choves and china and some pita, and everybody would fill themselves up with that, and they didn't have to have chicken. But in the old days, and if you go to a fancy restaurant, in Muncie, you go to the fanciest restaurant, so they give you bread, right, nice warm bread, cut bread, and with it there's a little bowl with olive oil and a little, a little vinegar in there, a little uh, whatever it is, and you dip your your bread in the olive oil, and uh, usually you ask for doubles, because it tastes really, really good. So in the old days, the kings, they used to have all these dips on the table. Poor people didn't have money for dips, right? So so we're asking, on all other nights, you don't even dip once. Who dips, right? Today, there's a store in Barapak, of course, from Shem Shabbos, called Dips. The whole store is just dips, right? But in the olden times, you didn't have dips. So the kid doesn't... The kid sees this salt water and he sees charosas and he doesn't understand. What you, Daddy, what are you doing with the salt water? What are you doing with the charosas? Oh, we're going to dip mara, we're going to dip you know, the the, the egg, carpets, whatever you're using. Right? So the kid's like, dipping? What's with dipping? We don't ever dip. Okay, good question. But dipping represents rich. And then the final one is why are we leaning? You could ask me a Akash on that. Right? You could think he'd ask me Akash but he didn't see you lean yet but you did lean because when you make kiddush you leaned. So it's not It's not the matzah and when you eat later on. He saw you lean by kiddush. When does Tati ever lean by kiddush? Everyone's always sitting up straight. So Tati, why are you leaning? Because in the old days, they used to lean on a couch when they ate. And that's how they drank and that's how they ate. They were kings. So the kid wants to know, what are we tonight? Are we poor, broken slaves? Are we dipping, leaning, rich kings? What's going on over here? We're going to answer that kasha. It's not a paradox at all. We're going to answer that kasha. Kasha number two. With Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is the main actor in the whole story of Yitzhia Mitzrayim. The Makais, Kriyas Yamsov, going to Paro, in the Bernie Bush, the whole thing. There's no mention in the whole Haggadah except by Hashem V'Hashem Moshe Because you happen to be saying that. But as far as him being involved zero, he's left out, looks like on purpose Paro is in the Haggadah Lavon is in the Haggadah unimportant What how important is the Moshe Shabano is left out it's question number two question number three, why is there a mitzvah to regard to Levincha we have no mitzvah to sit in the sukkah and talk about when we were in the desert li- living in circus. We don't have such a mitzvah. We don't have a mitzvah sitting by the shvues, by the table, and talking about Matan Torah. There's no mitzvah there Raysa about talking about shvues, talking about Purim, talking about Hanukkah. The only mitzvah is Pesach. Isn't Matan Torah more important to talk about than Yitzchitz Mitzrayim? How come there's no mitzvah got to Levincha about Matan Torah? Doesn't exist. How come it says, in Hashem I asher tzicham and? the first of the asses that did was when HaKadosh Baruch was saying don't serve any idols I am God right should say Hashem lekecha, that I am a es, es, that created the world I am the only God that created the world it seems to be going off subject Hashem lekecha, do you know why I am the only God because they took you out of Mitzrayim that doesn't make you the only God it took you out of Mitzrayim Lincoln took the took the slaves out of the right out, out of the south that makes you God that you took us out of Mitzrayim? Why does it say, Hashem HaShem, Who created the world? There's many things that are happening at the Seder that we say, I know my father had a minute to go around the table with a, a bag on his back, and this is how we went and left Mitzrayim. There's a special mitzvah that you say by Pesach, Ki ilu that I'm there. You don't say that on Sukkis, you don't say that on Shruis, you don't say that on Purim, you don't say that on Hanukkah. So there's something going on by the Seder that is very different than any other yontav that we have. And the big kasha. And you should ask this at the table because for this generation this is a very important question. There's a halach in the Shulchan Aruch that you should have haroises and the haroises should be made sweet. The Svardim use tomorrow, they use dates. We use apples, most of us. And it says specifically that it should be mixed with sweet red wine. That's what it says. Why? Because to memorize the bricks, and I have nothing against Talz Yeshiva, but that little package, when you mix it with water, it turns into a brick. You should send them a check anyway, but I don't know, if that's, that package hasn't changed in 50 years. I don't know what's going on with it. But anyway, it looks like bricks. It's supposed to look like bricks. And the wine... Is supposed to remind you of the babies that were put into the wall in Mitzrayim when the Jews ran out of bricks. So they said, you didn't make enough bricks. They took a baby and they put the baby live. Worse than the Nazis. Put the baby live in the wall, cemented them in, and the Jewish people who were working had to watch this baby die. We can't even imagine, we can't even imagine what kind of torture that was for the Jewish nation. Forget about the baby. So here's a bomb question of Shimshin Pinkus. Bomb question. Sweet? This reminds us of the babies that were, the blood of the babies that were put in the bricks of the wall of Mitzrayim and the halacha is you have to use red blood, right? Red wine and it has to be sweet. The mitzvah should be to use red wine vinegar. It is much worse. The harosh says is in memory of something that's much worse than marar they made our life bitter they beat us, they whacked us they didn't give us food we were slaves but we were alive charosis is a memory of dead babies of torture of death why would the halacha be that you have to use sweet wine it makes absolutely no sense and when your kid asks you why do you dip the mara in the charosis what do you tell him to make the mara sweeter, but the cheroses is much more bitter. What what it reminds us of than the mara? If anything, by putting the mara in the cheroses, it makes the mara even more bitter. Why is cheroses sweet? This is such an important lesson to this generation? Also, what's in the center of your of your of your seder plate? It's in the center on top. You have the three matzahs, right? What's the center on top? Is Mara? That should be the center. Pesach should be the center. Mara is the center of your of your the top of your seder. What's going on over here? The Tert. I'm going to answer the last question first. Tert's a little lumdish. I said that to my seminary girls today. Like what? What does that mean? I'm like forget it. I'm not even explaining it. So it's a little bit lumdish. Listen to this. There's a halacha that for three things you have to give up your life three aveiros three cardinal aveiros killing someone right and adultery murder and idolatry you have to die someone comes over to you puts a gun to your head and says bow down to this Buddha or else I'm going to shoot you you have to bow down to the Buddha but let's say you don't want to die you got a gun to you and you're like, okay, no, I'm going to bow down to the way. Then you bow down to the way Or you kill the other person. Or you commit adultery. Shulchan Arach says, are you chayev? Is Bezdin punish you? Are you chayev? And the terrorist says, no. Why? Because it was, a, it was an aines. At the end of the day, you should have given up your life. It's a mitzvah to give up your life and make a kid Hashem. But it's not an Avera not to. Because at the end of the day, there a gun on your head. So it's an ayinah. So if you didn't do what you were supposed to do, the has no permission to punish you. And Shemayim, whatever they do, they do. But you're not chayev. The Shulchan says, you're not chayiv. That's the halach. Says the Medrash. I think it's in Pashas Bo. It's in Pashas Bashalach. Says the Medrash. That HaKash Baruch when he split the Yam, it's harder to break what Hashem did with a the miracle, than the miracle itself. We all know the Gemara, right, he got the, he, he was very poor, and he got the leg of gold, from his, from his table, and his wife said, don't, I don't want you, I want you to give it back, and it says that it was much harder, for Shemayim to take back the leg, than to give the leg. Because once Hashem does a miracle, it's, that's it, it's finite, it's finite. So the yam, to bring it back, on the Mitzrayim, was much bigger nace even though we think the other way around then splitting the yam. because once Hashem made that naze that's it but Hashem said they, mida k'nege mida, everything God does is mida k'nege mida mida k'nege mida, you drown my children in the Nile I'm going to, he told the Sar of, of, of Mitzrayim, I'm going to drown your children in the ocean so Hashem said to the Malachim drown them and it says that the Tsar of Mitzrayim got up in front of Hashem and said, hold on, hold on. You and Shemayim have to keep the halachas of Besden in this world. The Mitzrayim were ordered by Paro to throw the boys into the Nile River. Now halacha is that Ba Malchus is Chaib Misa. So any Egyptian that didn't listen to Paro would be put to death. You can't go against the king so really they should have jumped into the Nile and killed themselves before killing someone else but the halach and is that if they're in Aines, they had no choice if, they, if, they, if they're being forced or else if you don't throw the Jewish kid in you're going to die so if they did throw the Jewish kid they're not chayev you're halacha Hashem so really you cannot drown the Mitrim, they're not chayev Misa said they're right can't drown them Leave him alone. Says the Medrash that the Malach Michal went down to Mitzrayim and took a baby out of the wall and brought it up to Shemayim and threw the dead baby at at whatever this means, at the feet of Hashem, at the feet of his throne. And Hashem said, even though he knows what it is, but it's it's like a court case. You can't just know it. Hashem said, what is this baby? And Michal said, this is a baby that the Tsar, his children the Mitzrim, put in the wall did Paro ever tell the Mitzrim that if the Jews run out of bricks, put kids in the wall never, you won't find it in the Torah, you won't find it in the Medrash he didn't tell them that he told them throw them in the Nile that was their thing to, you run out of bricks, we're going to put kids in the wall therefore they didn't have the excuse they had no excuse of Oines, therefore they were all of Misa Hashem said Kolem, the word that's used in the midrash is Kolem, destroy them all, wipe them out everyone else has to be destroyed because they have no excuse because they were never commanded to do it and therefore it's not an Oynas and therefore the Chaimis end of story, water comes down all the mitram are destroyed, Jews come out nobody's following them, they're saved what Hashem wants to teach us and what Chazal wants to teach us and many times, the most terrible thing that happens to you is what saves you. Many times, in a person's life, traffic, whatever it is, and he's saved. How many stories about people who missed a train on 9-11 and they were so upset that they were going to get to work late and he was going to get fired because he was already always late and they said one more time and he's on the train out of, out of the five towns and it's delayed and his life is saved. would been. He would have been... In, he would have been I'll tell you a story. I never said the story here. I only said the story once. So there's a company, actually one of the partners, I don't know if he's here, one of the partners lives in Muncie called FXCM. <laughs> FXCM is a platform that trades money. This platform was was created by four partners. One of them is a, a guy from Muncie. One of those partners, name was William Abood. He's a Persian who lives in the in, uh, in, in five towns anyway I'm friendly with him I used to go to them for Tzedakah to help Ranava. and I, know, I knew them and I used to take my high school girls to see because it's a crazy it's on Wall Street it's a, pla- it's, a, it's, a, it's a foreign currency and currency trading platform There's like a thousand people sitting in there with all like like fifteen screens and money flashing, Russian money, English money, every the peso, it's like it's a what was what did they create that every person or any regular person could go online, right? Like Ameritrade and they could trade money. And they were the only platform. Huge. And the reason I brought my girls there is that the, one of the guys, one of the partners, who's a Bechalin Jewish guy, he's not Shemesh Shabbos, we hope one day he will be, Right? one of the partners was a taxi driver. And his story was that he used to take, uh, a big guy on Wall Street, he used to take him home to Saddle River and take him back, and he used to listen to what this guy was doing. And this guy was trading funds, and he did this for like two years, and he used to talk to him in the car, he was a taxi driver. What do you do, how do you do it? And he, he's very brilliant. And he learned exactly how to do it. And then he opened up, and went in competition, and ended up closing that guy's company because he was so big. But he came from—he came—he's he, a Bukhari, and he came from Bukharia without clothing, with with, with holding his shoes, without anything. So he explained to my girls that if you really want, you want to be successful, you just have to make up your mind. You have to learn. Allah made me call Adam. You have to learn from everyone around you whatever you can learn, and then you have to use it. Whatever. Anyway, so we used to go. used to go there. Fine so this William Aboud, what happened to them so they were huge each one of these guys hundreds, millions and millions and millions of dollars the whole, the whole world Sadduck used to go to them on Wall Street huge, huge guys and then one morning when England voted for Brexit they lost everything because the whole funds changed and there was a run on all the money so everybody sold and you have to have A certain amount of money, like in stocks, so that if everyone sells, you have the money that they're selling. You got to give it to them. You got to you got to pay them. But there was such a run on the banks, right? Because everybody wanted out because they didn't know what's going to be with the English money, and that they had no money to back it up. The whole thing collapsed. They're lucky that they didn't have to that they didn't go to jail because there wasn't enough money, and finished. All they had and built was gone in a moment. On Monday morning, at opening, everyone in the whole world sold. All the machines were red. They couldn't cover themselves. They lost everything. They're closed. They don't exist. They're not allowed to trade. They're not allowed to open. Done. This William Abud, who I got friendly with, is a baltruva. Came from nothing. The Persian came to America without any money, without any Yiddish guy. a stock of from learning kids are in yeshiva like a guy that's really about shiva and he came to my house to talk to me about one of his kids I said William I I gotta ask you something because I just need to understand because I deal with people all the time and I'm a guy that's very I'm very inquisitive I like to understand things I'm I? how are you dealing with Hashem? how are you dealing with Hashem? you came here not from you became from you made your family from you came without anything. You gave more to than money that you made. This guy was giving to left and right. You did everything that was right. You keep Shabbos. You're from, you're trying to get the one part that isn't from, you're always inviting him, trying to make him from. You're doing everything right, and in one moment Hashem takes everything. You didn't, they didn't even have savings because it was just so crazy. The savings they were giving away to Dukkah because there was always going to be money there. And people were trading and trading with all them, they were the platform. I said, William, just explain to me. You wake up in the morning, are you angry? Did God let you down? Like, like, how are you dealing with this? I know Gamzalataiba, but let's go inside. Gamzalataiba is up here. Talk to me from here. He said, so you think I have problems with God? He says, let me tell you my story. I wasn't even going to tell you the story tonight. It's about that I'm telling you the story. Now, let me tell you my story. He said... I worked on a firm in Wall Street before FXCM and we had 50 brokers in a room like this. We didn't have a big room. 50 brokers around the table, right? And we were trading funds. He knows how to trade trading funds. And we worked for a very small company. He said, one of the guys at the company one day came in and said that a huge, huge company hired him and they want to build this before FXCM. They want to build the biggest currency trading platform that ever existed. And they told him, it doesn't matter how much money you spend. You need to hire the best. We want to start... They were trading stocks at the time and bonds. And now they wanted to start trading funds. And we're willing to invest. This guy was very brilliant. You hire the team. The team. He said, Reverend Wallstein, this man sat to my right we were buddies we went to lunch together we talked about our families together he said he wasn't a Jew he sat on my right we were the best of friends I knew that he was definitely going to hire me we were best of friends and I was good at what I did and Wallstein he hired the lady across five guys from there ten guys from there and he's not hiring me and I'm his buddy and I'm good he said, I didn't understand. Like That's just when he became about He Tshuva. He said, and the pay was five times the amount that he was getting. Over there, that's what they were paying for these guys. He said, and finally, he figures, I know what he's doing. He's hiring everyone on the team. And I'm Achron Chav- Chaviv. I'm going to be the guy that's going to run the team. And all of a sudden, one of the women that he hired she came over to him because they were leaving she said I'm really sorry that you're not part of the team my hi he said he stopped hiring he said he has his team so I said I went to Shavu I'm like I don't understand Hashem you put him next to me you put him next to me we're the best of friends I'm the man he hired a bunch of yukles, and he didn't hire me he said at that time I had Tinus. I didn't understand why Hashem would do that to me I just set my, started sending my kids to yeshiva. They were in public school. I had to pay tuition. It was the perfect setup. You put the guy next to me. Then it, it's like the dream, right? Hashem to, and then Hashem got this guy to get the best job. And then, and then Hashem has him hiring a whole new team. And he leaves me out. He said, I had Tainus. He said, for three months, the tables were empty. They had a bunch of new people. And I knew all the other guys where they were. He said, and then came 9-11. It was a company called Fitzgerald. They lost the most amount of people in 9-11 in the World Trade Center. Every single person that was at his table that got hired, died. They were all on the 98th floor and the 98th floor is where the plane went into. They didn't have a chance, not a second. None of them got out. And he looks at me and says, And you want to know if I have kindness to Hashem? That was the day I learned what Gamzula Teva means. That it might be the most bitter day. Everyone got hired but me. But in the bitterness, you may not see it and you may never know it. You'll know it after 120. I think that's why people don't come back so fast in dreams. I'm waiting for my father to come back in a dream to talk to me. Right, I think when you go up there they show you all the things that down the street would have happened but you made a left and you made a right it's such a long movie up there of the Gamzula type of all the bad things and you missed a plan and meanwhile you didn't know who was going to sit next to. You. Ah, I got some ISIS. it's so interwoven our lives so it's not like you watch a movie and are like okay I live 90 years I'm watching 90 years you're watching what could have happened what should have happened what didn't happen a long time before anyone's coming back it's amazing so he says you think I have questions about FXCM I don't understand why we all other partners lost we were giving so much Shadok I have no idea why it happened but I know that at the end after 120 years I'll see why it happened not one of them is living can you imagine that he, he like he picked like at the Holocaust he picked this one to die and he picked that one to die and he picked that without knowing and every single person he picked he says you should know I, I see them all in my, in my I see them there were some young people they were all good people they all died in one moment and you want me to ask questions? I don't have any questions about anything so I said to him so people will say okay he has no questions he had a miracle what we don't realize is that every second of our life is a miracle every second you have no idea what's supposed to happen what could happen what should happen you have no idea really a person I spoke to, I, I spoke in England, in, I, I spoke many times at Hatzalah. In fact, Hatzalah just had something in Muncie last week, I couldn't come. They, they were in Middletown, they got all the Hatzalah guys together. And I always talk about the story that happened to me. Um, so I deal with kids, you know, I, and, and sometimes I'm out till four o'clock in the morning. And I'm really, really tired. Till til Shabbos, like, I, don't, I can't even see straight. Shabbos is Baruch Hashem, is my savior. I don't know how Gaim deal without Shabbos. And there was this one night that I, there was a situation and it was freezing cold in the middle of the winter and I was dealing with this girl, whatever it is, and I was momish out till three thirty in the morning. I was so wiped out. It was a Thursday night. My Thursday night tonight, I put my car in cruise, otherwise I wouldn't have made it. So I get into my I got into my bed and you put your head on that nice cold pillow, right? And it's three thirty, okay, so I have Till, four, till 7 o'clock till I wake up to go David. I have a couple of hours to sleep and I'm in my pajamas I'm underneath the blanket my head's on the pillow what's the worst thing that can happen to you guys what's the worst thing that can happen you didn't die myers. right all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh I didn't die meyer usually I damn I didn't die meyer It's the worst thing so in, 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 in flatbush it's not a problem because at 3 o'clock you get dressed you go to shepherd Shabbos and the last meeting is at 4 so it's not a problem right Pretty much till I was, yeah, have yeah, myrav. So it's not a problem, but it's a problem to get out of bed, right? What's the best thing that could happen to you? The same person says, "No, no, I did with my myrav," and he remembers that he talked to my myrav at the wedding. So, like, the worst feeling is I gotta get out of bed. No, nope, I really did with my myrav. Oh, you go to sleep. So, I'm my phone when I go to sleep at night is on silent. In other words, I say, "Anyone you want to call me, you can call me a whole night. If I answer, it means it's not on silent. It's not on silent. I'm awake. So when I go to sleep, I put it on silent." For some reason, shirt, I didn't put it on silent that night. Sometimes I'm so tired, I, I don't put it on silent. I'm fading away, and my phone rings. I'm like three thirty in the morning. I look at the phone. I do not recognize the number, and that makes me much more nervous. Because some numbers, some people call me in the middle of the night to just call me. By the way, you remember today when I asked you? Like it's three thirty in the morning. They're in California. <laughs> Last I had it this week. My wife said, who called you at 3.30 in the morning? A girl from California at 12.30. She, you know, they live in New York. She looked at her watch. and didn't hop. That's why I'm dealing with her. Anyway, so, I didn't know the numbers. I got scared. So, I picked it up. Hi. Hi. Hello, this is Hatzala. So, first of all, my heart went to my shoes. My kids, you know this or that, right? Then I have married kids and grandchildren. Boom. I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? He says, we have one of you girls from school. I'm like, Okay, I'm upset, but not as upset as I would have been, right? And she needs to go to the hospital. She OD'd, she took too much stuff, whatever it was. And she needs to go to the hospital. She's very sick and she's not going to the hospital unless you come along. I'm like, tell her, you couldn't reach me. And she has to go to the hospital. He says, we tried that. She said, if you can't reach him, I'm not going. I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to get dressed now, go downstairs. Okay, maybe I'll get it half an hour. Where are you guys? It's at of Mill Basin. It's all Mill Basin? That's 20 minutes away. 20 minutes, give me something. We're in your driveway. <laughs> I said, you're in my driveway? We're in your driveway, Rabbi Wallstein, you need to come down. I put on my clothing. I am so upset. I'm like, Hashem, you're not, you're not fair. You're not fair. I deserve a couple of hours of sleep. It's not fair. It's the end of the week. It's not fair. You're just not fair. This is not fair. Zillow fair. Zillow fair. On the way down the steps, I'm like, Zillow fair. I talk to him all the time. I'm like, not, not three, this is not fair. I was in my, You waited till I got under my blanket, on my pillow, Hashem. This could have been done as I was driving home. And get it's the true story. I get into the ambulance. She is barfing her brain. She is throwing up. Crazy. She is. She took too much or whatever. She's throwing up and there's cyphers they're, and they're, stuff, whatever. And I'm sitting on that bench, you know, the, the, she's in the gurney and I'm sitting on the bench. It's freezing. I'm cold. I don't even know what world I'm in. And we start driving to the hospital. I can't even talk to her because she's barfing. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, and this is what I told Hatzelah. Oh, Shoshana, every moment of your life for the year is written down. On Rosh Hashanah it was written that Zechariah Wallstein will be in an ambulance at 3.35 Thursday night. That's going to happen. And that's going to happen. And you cannot change it. Tzedakah, what does it do? It's Mavirin. It doesn't break the gzera. What's that word you said on Rosh Hashanah? It's not Why doesn't it say it erases the gzera? It doesn't say it erases the gzera. It says, right? Tsadaka, my virin. What does that mean, my virin? Hashem didn't take it away. He, he moved it. What does it mean he moved it? It was written, I'm going to be in an ambulance. How I'm going to be in that ambulance Thursday night depends on what I do in my life. If I'm doing the right thing, I help people. So you'll be doing a mitzvah, a girl, never who's scared to be alone. Hafdal the Well, Austin, you got up in the middle of the night, you're doing the biggest mitzvah. Or you could be laying there with a heart attack. Or you could be laying there dead. Or you could be laying there with a lot of other problems. So virus israel exera means you're going to be there. But how you're going to be there depends on your Tzadakot chuva So you're going to be there. It's going to happen. Charoises, it's going to happen. It was exera that the Jewish babies are going to be on the wall. what's going to come from that? What's going to come from that is the destruction to one man left of Mitzrayim. When a person understands that, then their Marah is not as bitter. When you understand, this guy lost everything. He went into real estate now. He has no parnaso. When you understand that losing everything, it it was a moment. The bell rang that the trading started. And that was it. Everything was red. In a second, he didn't have a chance to pull money out, to put money somewhere. Because of what happened to him, he realizes, I don't understand why that happened, but there's something good about that happening. Who knows what? Who knows what good? But I don't know what's good. But knowing that there's something good makes it easier to carry. He's happy. He's really, he's in a good place. makes it easier to carry. So the the Chazal tell us, take your marah, Take your bitterness. Take the challenges in your life and know no generation since Hashem created the world ever had the challenges of this generation. There was a generation where they assimilated, right? In Europe. There was a generation of the plague. There was a, ge- a lot of different generations of a lot of different things. But the plague of cancer and a generation of... People not being able to get married and a generation of not having children and a generation of kids going off to Derranc and all the stuff that we have is all the cursed years of Gullahs packed into one generation. Has never been like this. We've got the plague. We've got problems with Shalom Bias. We got kids. We have an 80% assimilation rate. We got drugs. They never had drugs. They never had someone ODing. They never had as many suicides in Europe. I, I, how many suicides did you ever hear about it was the most unnormal thing to hear today 200 kids in, in one year sick crazy stuff we're going through the biggest gullus ever but if you understand that, that's not who Hashem is that there's something something in this gullus that's sweet because this gullus is taking us to Mashiach like Rabbi Akiba who laughed when he saw the foxes running right and he said everyone else was crying he said yeah but this is it's coming true the Gemara that says that chutzpah and everything that the Gemara says that's going to be in this generation, the fathers and sons won't get along, the daughters and mothers won't get along. Everything it says, it's done. It's all here. It's all here. Even the, the, the war and losing so many people, it already happened. It already happened. World War II with, with Hiroshima with nuclear with people's bodies melting if you learn the Navi and you learn everything it doesn't say Mashiach everything's happening at one time and Hashem's world time is very large so if you learn the Gemara about the times of Mashiach you will see word for word it all happened. there's nothing left to do it's all here so there's a reason to be in pain we're in a lot of pain we're seeing a lot of tragedy at the same time there's a reason for sweetness because without this we're not getting to the to Mashiach it's part of the Mashiach so on the Seder night understanding that I was an Eved that I was a poor man that we were on the 49th level of tuma, understanding where we come from makes the ability that we're now malchus that we go to a Dafyami, that there's never been so much learning. There's never been so much learning in the history of Klai Yisrael, And about all the good things that we have, that we're Malachim. We never had so much Raphis, we never had so much money in Klyisrael. It's crazy money in Klai Yisrael, There's no middle class, there's poor and there's very rich. The very rich there's billions of dollars in buildings and things. We've never in Europe there was no person, so many people that own so much real estate. We've never had this kind of Raphis. We've never had ninety nine dollars for a duck, and fifty nine dollars for a piece of meat per pound. It didn't exist, craziness. And all the meats and everything that we have, Baruch Hashem, to come to a kiddush and you have ten different herrings. They had one herring growing up, that one herring in that jar, you had to pull the bone out in the middle. That bone you had to pull out in the middle. Whoever heard of such a thing? What kind of schnapps you have? You go to a wine store today, right? I saw a thirty thousand dollar bottle of scotch. I said to the guy, someone bought a $30,000 bottle of scotch. I think it's like 45 years old. The guy who made it is dead a long time. He said, I have three guys already that bought this bottle. I said, they're going to drink it? He says, no, they're investing. Investing in a bottle of scotch. I don't know. Bottles of wine at $150, $250, $400. This didn't ever exist in Clyde And we think we know something about wine, you know. It has, to, it has to breathe, it has to this, what? My wine was Malaga. It didn't have to breathe, it was choking. It to breathe, it had to open the cap. Right? Man, that Malaga, you have to, to let it breathe. No, you have to let it breathe, it has to breathe. And whoever saw wine breathing at the table growing up? I never saw wine breathing at the table growing up. Right? We're, we're in a crazy world. But at the end of the day, Chayisro is Malchus today. We dress well to the Goyim, we're, we're, we invest well. We drive nice cars. We we're supposed to have a certain behavior and sneers in the way you dress, right? In the way you look. There, there's there's rafchus and there's malchus and there's malchus in our in in our spirituality and in our emotional place. We're supposed to be in, in a very high place, and we are in a very high place. So it's not a paradox. It's not. It's not. Am I a, am I a, a poor man slave or am I a rich man king? You were a poor man. I bought them. You were a poor man. You were an Eved. But now we're kings. And therefore, it's not opposites. It's climbing Mount Everest instead of being born on Mount Everest. So the first part was the climbing. You tell your child, Yes, it was a struggle and there was a holocaust and, and we always had a minute that my, my grandfather used to speak about the holocaust because it says that by, by, by the Seder you're supposed to talk about your personal Yetzirah Mitzrayim not just the story that happened a long time ago but what you went through if, you, if it's something you could talk about and your suffering and your teacher that told you that you're going to grow up to be whatever and, and all the stuff that you went through and how you overcame it and how you're close to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, and how you struggled and how you worked on emuna and you're supposed to talk about set the table you're supposed to talk about you your Yetzius Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim comes from the word Metzar. Metzar comes from the word thin. Your neck, right? Mitzrayim had us by the neck because the connection between your head and your body is through your neck. Your head is called Shemayim, your body is called Aretz. Your body gives out, your head takes in. You hear, you see, right? You smell. Your mouth is the bridge because you, you take in, you eat, and you also speak out. That's why the, the mouth, the Lushan, has to have so many gates. The only, only organ that has as many gates as your mouth which is your teeth and your lips two gates is your mouth because there's a gate taking in and there's a, there's a gate taken in which is, your, which is your teeth you chew your food and there's a gate going out which is your mouth talking so that's so metzah the whole thing of mitzrayim was to make us feel constricted to, to give you what's called low self esteem Right? anxiety to make you feel like you can't do anything you can't go anywhere that was their whole thing of Metzah, Mitzrayim and the night that we sit here is Berathchus it's the opposite of Mitzrayim okay now I'm going to answer the other questions I just want to see how long I'm talking okay I have 12 minutes so there's a story that I say most of you have heard it because I say it every single year Pesach it's a famous story about Hashem. He fell in love. The reason it's called Chippazon is that Baruch Hu. It's a medrash Hashem told his Malachim, "I want to go down. I fell in love with this nation called Klal I want to make them my kallah. I want to get engaged." And the Malachim said, "You're the king," and they're They're on the forty level of Tummah. If anything, take the mitzvah out. Because the mitzvah were at least the masters. These guys are on the 49th level. They're the slaves. Why would you take the slave out? Take the master out. And Kosh just said, no, this is my chosen nation. This is my kala. And the malachim said, you cannot go. They passed it. You cannot go into mitzvahim because mitzvahim is full of gilulim, full of vaydezarah, and you are a Kayan Hashem. And the, since you're a kayin, it's a medrash. That you're a client, you can't go into a basic forest. So said, you don't know the halacha halacha is that if a Kayan has truma in an earthen vessel in a basak like forest, so it doesn't get tamay in the earthen vessel halachically he should go and save the truma you shouldn't let it get tamay take it out he gets tamay and get, get one the hair of Shemesh and, 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 and get sprinkled and, and it becomes tahar so Hashem said that's what I'm going to do uh, they're my truma and, they're, uh, and I'm going to go save them so they said well who's going to make you tahar so the Medrash says I don't know what it means Aaron HaKain is going to make me tahar whatever that means so they said okay Hashem listen you cannot go to Mitzrayim we'll go down we'll take them out of Mitzrayim they're on the 49th level of Tomah and we'll meet you at Har Sinai. you'll get married there we'll take care of the engagement Hashem said you can't send the shliach to say will you marry me if a girl's at home and a guy shows up and says hi my name is Chaim I'm here for for my she um, here's a ring will you marry him she's like you tell him to get here I'm not no shliach so this thing is something I need to do myself. And the famous story that, that, I, that I talk about is about this guy this king and he was looking to get married and he was on his way to marry a princess and he was on, this, he was on the road it's a 45 minute story I'm going to tell it to you in 30 seconds and there was a girl on the road and she was full of mud and filth she was collecting tzedakah and the king said who are you what are you she said I have no appearance I have nothing she was filthy she was dirty he told her to get into the carriage all the soldiers and advisors were screaming at him what do you think you are you can't put a, a peasant you're going to marry a princess you can't bring a peasant back home they're going to they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna rebel bring the, he said no and he brought her home and everyone's talking it's on yeshiva world the king cracked up he's a mishigana he brought on this filthy dirty peasant this is not going to be our queen we won't accept her and he says he gets to the castle and he tells his maids whatever it is I want you to dress her up and wash her up and do her hair and makeup and lipstick and, 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 and perfume and at 8 o'clock tonight I want to see her at dinner and she walks in at dinner And all the soldiers that were with him, everyone, it can't be the same girl. She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. They never saw such a beautiful girl in their lives. It can't be that girl. And he says, you see, I knew what she looked like through the mud. You see, I was right. And she sits down, and they're all like in awe. And they put a salad in front of her, and she takes, she's a peasant. She takes the salad, she starts eating it, and, and, and then she gets the soup, and she's drinking the bowl, and they're like, you see, king, it's very nice. You can take the peasant out of the mud, but you can't take the mud out of the peasant. She cannot be our queen. he said. what's the problem? She's beautiful. We'll teach her manners. Give me three months. We'll teach her etiquette. And talk of three months, manners and etiquette. And they get married. And she's the best queen that the country ever had because she came from the mud. And she knew about all the poor people. And she helped everybody. <coughs> it's a very short way of saying the story. And that's what happened in Mitzrayim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw a filthy, dirty nation, 49th level of tumult. Do you know what that is? Do you know what the 49th level of Tumma is? That's down on the bottom. They went on the 50th because they didn't have the Torah. And Hashem knew if they hit the 50th and they don't have the Torah, they'll never come out. The 49th level of Tumma, and Hashem telling them, I want to marry them. And the Malachim must say, what, are you kidding me? They're filthy, they're dirty, they bow down like the other people. They're low lives. you can't marry them, Hashem says. You don't see what I see. So I'm going to take them for seven weeks, or 49 days, and we're going to teach them etiquette. We're going to take them to Hashinai And we're going to give them 613 lessons on manners and etiquette and how to treat other people and how to be royalty. And the Malacham like whoa. So here's a Kabayosha. And the Kabayosha says the following. This is very important for everyone here. This is why I'm here tonight. I want to read it to you very fast. First of all, I can't preach this because I'm in a hotel. I used to preach it before I went to a hotel. But I want to read this to you, and I'll tell you what I do. It says the following. So HaKashbuchu comes to everyone's seder. Everyone in your room here, you should know, you should just know, that sometime over the two nights by the Sederim, God will be in your house with his angels. So you better behave yourselves. Okay? This is what he says. Listen to this. When you set the table for the seder, the main the main Kavana you should have. You need to set up this meal. For the covenant of Hashem and Hashem. And therefore, To allow a non-Jewish maid to set your table. He says... Khalila only a Jewish woman is allowed to set your table. but it would be much better. had to hire. That the woman who sets the table should not be Tame from Tame Nida. Umi he says, but I'll tell you even better. She the best person to set your table for Hashem, for the seder should be a young girl that never was Tameh never, a little 10 year old that was never had a period it was never ever Tameh Pshita he says, it's Pasha that it's much better and on the bottom in the Kavanaki he brings out this was 350 years ago he's talking about his Rebbe this was the meaning of my Rebbe he would find a young little girl that never saw Nida and she was the one who set the table but for surely whoever sets the table has to be tar so it could be a man that was never Tame right? a, a young boy or it's very hard to get young boys to set the table they don't know which side to put the fork on or to get a young girl and that was my meaning my meaning was to the, my grandchildren my granddaughters whoever it was would set the table well, what do I do I'm, now in a, I'm, in a, I'm in a hotel and a guy sets the table the guy would set the table the waitress set the table so when I come to the table before the Seder we take all our plates everything off the table we put it on the chairs and we reset the table so at least I set the table and my kids set the table it wasn't set by a guy but this is the Kedusha by Shabbos you're not supposed to let a guy set your Shabbos table but that's it you don't have to find a little girl who is never tongue. And this is, he says, so why, why? What's going on over here? That's crazy, that's like unbelievable. So holy? So this is what he says. Okay, therefore, you have to say, shal b'simcha don't rush to be able to tell it tomorrow morning, we will finish by 12. Oh no. You should sit and you should sing. And you should say Shira to Hashem for everything that he's done for you this past year. It's like Yom Kippur. It's bigger than Yom Kippur. Do not show that you are in any type of rush. And now he, this is from the Zoya. The Zoya warns us. In many places. Every person has to talk about your T.S. Mitzrayim. You should know that when you're sitting with your kinder and your wife, and your family, and you're talking about Yitzhah Mitzrayim, God gathers all the angels, that when he wanted to go down to Mitzrayim, said, her? That filthy slave peasant, who's on the 49th level of Tuma, That's what you want? The whole world's going to be my of Malchus. He brings them all with him. And he says, really? You thought you were right? Come with me, and listen. Listen to how the Jewish people, that ugly, disgusting-looking piece of mud, right, that you thought was no good, you want to see what she really looks like? Come to the Seder and look at my my my, my kala. Look what she looks like. So all the angels come with him. And they admit to God. On all the miracles that he did. Zayah. And the whole Shemayim, every angel in Shemayim, everyone that works in the Shemayim, I all of them, the whole pumayim of Listen to what they say: ma'idim they're forced to admit to Hashem Am hakadosh You were right; they are holy. We were wrong. She smeichim b'simcha guula shel bayram. Look how happy they are that you are their creator. As niteisa v'kayach uvrul emala that way we give Hashem strength we give our our, our, our our master we give him strength and all the worlds are in awe how do you give Hashem strength? you can't give Hashem strength we give him the strength to answer the Makatric. when the Makatric comes to Hashem and says look at these Jews, they're watching movies they're going out this one's on a phone on Chavez. you see they're muddy Hashem says we had this before much worse. We had 49th level of Tummah. And you guys said, I should stay away from them. because I Hashem the Kayach to answer the makatri. You were wrong last time, and you're wrong this time. because of that Kayach. And then he says something very, very scary. And we'll end with this. I'll just tell you a short story, and I'll read you that, that note. Do not say the Haggadah fast. Do not allow it to look like... It's a yoke. Oh, I can't wait. Let's get to the meal. Let's get finished. All of a sudden, everybody's like, "They keep Rabbein Otam, You know, they a mire of an hour, ten minutes left. But now, all of a sudden, it's chatzos for the Everyone's big in this man. They want to get finished. If you hold it, you hold it. But if you don't hold it, you, 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 you should be you should be at the table till four in the morning, at least. I mean, you're talking about the chasim. My friend, my, my, my daughter's friend just got engaged. The girl that got engaged lost all her friends in one night. Why? Because all she talks about is her chasim. He's so cute. He's so smart. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. But that's how a kala talks. So when Hashem comes to your house and he's showing off to his malachim, his kala that he chose, chasim is sitting there talking business or politics or anything or even Torah that has nothing to do with Yitzhah Mitzrayim. It's not a night for that tonight for tire about Yitzhak Mitzrayim and only about Yitzhak Mitzrayim because Hashem says you know I'm your God I'm the God of the whole world but what makes me your God that took you out of Mitzrayim that's what makes you your God uh, you became it's a very deep shot you became a queen by marriage you can become a queen by being the daughter of the king you can become a queen by marriage I am Hashem I am the master I am the creator how did you become the princess I Mitzrayim, because I took you out of Mitzrayim the night of the Seder is when we got engaged so I am Hashem your God not because I created the world I created the world I am everyone's God what makes you special what makes you majestic what makes you royal I married you and I'm the king and then he says the but a person where Hashem sees he just wants to get finished he wants to be finished by 12 he just wants to get out of there and he feels like he's forced to be there or he's just sitting there lazy he's not interested similar to a slave, and he's not happy and he's not thinking about what's going on listen carefully if he's ever in danger in his life and he asks Hashem for a miracle Hashem will not do the miracle so Zoya why? It's simple. If I did miracles for you and you're a coffee tithe, and the night that you're supposed to be talking about it, you're talking about other things when you come and ask me for a miracle why would I do another miracle for you? You don't appreciate my miracles. So he says the person who sits by the seder and is in a rush to get out don't ever expect Hashem to help you with a miracle. That's not a joke. It's a very special myth for that night to spend your time with your children and to talk about God. They have no connection. They do a lot of subject matter. You have to talk about Akash Barucho and how he saved you and how he helped you. And, 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 and you have to talk about Akash Baruch so that when he comes in, he's proving to all those Malachim that they were wrong. That his princess is really beautiful. I want to end with this. So it sounds... Eh, princess is really beautiful. What, what, are you, what are we talking about? It sounds too far, too hard to get. I want to tell you a story about one of my boys. And then I'll read you the letter. So many years ago, I taught in Crown Heights Yeshiva in Mill Basin. I taught 8th grade for 30 years. Going back 25 years. So there was a boy that was thrown out in 6th grade. His name was Howie. They threw him out. He made big trouble in the English department. I, at that time, was just a Rebbe. I wasn't an assistant principal. I had nothing to say. And they took this kid and they threw him out. And when all Yeshiva was for kids from non from families, if you threw him out, he's going to marry a guy and he's going to end up in public school. Because there was no other yeshiva that would take him. They knew nothing. They came from Israeli families that weren't weren't keeping anything. They threw him out. I was very upset about it, but I couldn't do it. I had his older brother, Scott, who was in my class. And he graduated my class. Howie, I didn't see for, since they threw him out, probably nine years. And Scott, he was getting married and invited me to his wedding. Now... Growing up as a Rebbe for the thirty years I was, all my kids are not religious. So when you go to their bar mitzvahs, you go to their weddings, right? The band is totally not Jewish. Nobody's dressed. And they just it's just they hire dancers. It's crazy in the non-from world. You don't even understand that, right? So we're so how can I go to this wedding, right? So it's called the Havanagila dance. Every Goyisha band knows one Jewish song called Havanagila, Havanagila. Every Goyisha band knows that. So what they do for the rabbis in our yeshiva is the first dance by the bar mitzvah. They put uh, a little bit of a uh, right, and the rabbis get the Havanagila dance. We dance with the boy or the chassan. It lasts about two minutes, then they run out of patience, and the band starts playing, you know, the Rolling Stones, and everything's gone and off, and we're out of there. So we always get the Havanagila dance. That's what we get. This is a true story. So Howie is sitting by the wedding, of course for me. right? Scott's his brother. And we're waiting for Scott to come in from the pictures to start. And he hates rabbis. Because we threw him out yeshiva. Even though he wasn't in my class, I had nothing to do with it. But he hated me. You could tell when he was looking at me. And he, you know, when, when you... when you, I never did anything to him, so he needs an excuse to hate me. So what did he do? He had this Goyesha girl, that was his girlfriend, sitting on his lap, in front of my face, doing terrible things. Specifically to get me to get up to say, uh right, so he could say, Oh, you see, he's one of them. I knew that, I know the game. I've been in the game a long time. I'm not giving that to you. You're not gonna use me as an excuse for the rest of your life why you're not from why you're not Jewish, because Rabbi Wallerstein, he judged me and he said so what? So I'm like I wasn't gonna look at them exactly. I sat there like nothing's happening. I don't care what you do. And it frustrated him. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> and then Scott walks in, it's a true story, it shows my witness. Scott walks in, and the band starts, gila. I got up, and I walked over to, to Howie, I said, Hey, Howie, you want to dance with the rabbi? He looks at me, Mama, you could see the hatred just dripping. And he turns to this girl, I don't want to, I don't want to even describe her, but very not Jewish. And he's got tattoos, he's wearing like this, Wife beater to a wedding, I don't know. But it's like one of these things, like, it's a wife, it's like an undershirt, but it has like a tuxedo um, bow tie. So it looks like you're wearing a tuxedo, but you're not wearing a tuxedo. And his hands, from here till here, are tattooed with Buddha. Both hands. Huge, big, with a snake around it, with its mouth open, a python. I, I looked at it, it was like a big tattoo, and a big tattoo here, and a tattoo on his chest. Right, but I'm not reacting. I'm not showing anything. So he asked the girl, "Can I, uh, can I go dance with the rabbi?" And she made the biggest mistake of her life. She said yes. So he gets up, and it's the three of us: me, Scott, and Howie. I remember it like today. And we're like, you know, they don't know how to dance Jewish dances, so we're like this, and we're going around. And I give this big, fat, wet kiss on Howie's right cheek. And I whisper in his ear And I'm like Howie, listen to me You want to make out In front of me You want to eat Hazar in front of me You I'm going to love you No matter what you do So stop Trying to prove something I love you And there's nothing you can do That's going to make me Not love you He wasn't ready for that At all But he definitely wasn't ready For the next thing I did And I kissed him It's a true story I'm, It's going to be on Torah Anytime what? I kissed him I'm going to say it The way it happened I kissed him in the left cheek and I whispered in the air, but I want to tell you something, Howie. As much as I love you, you're going to hell. <laughs> That's what I told him. At that time, you knew me. I was young and I was on fire. I was like, don't play with me. So I love you, but you need to know where you're going with this girl. Ah, go, ah, shiksa. He said, what would you say? I said, you heard what I said. So he was so upset that he followed me out to my car. He said, you don't know anything you, don't, you have the wrong religion man you don't know anything you don't need to be a Buddhist I was in the Himalayas for three years right, they fast they, they, for one year they don't talk crazy stuff right? which is not Jewish Jewish is to be able to talk and say the right things we, we're, we're creating this world not to fatten it's not that's not what it's about I said really Buddhism is where it's at he goes that's right that's where it's at not Judaism, Buddhism I'm like, you want to come to my Chabura and explain it to the guys? He said, you were scared, you rabbis. You would never let me talk about Buddhism in front of your kabura." I'm like, Howie, baby, bring it on. I don't know anything about it. Maybe I'll become a Buddhist. <laughs> You're going to let me come. I'm like, 8 o'clock. You gave him the address. Be there. He said, can I bring my girl? I'm like, no. That neshama is never going to change. This neshama, we'll see what happens. So he comes and he gets up and the whole Kabura is sitting there this guy gets up he's giving Kabura with these tattoos the whole business and he starts talking about Buddha and the we and the ye and the energy and the gansomises. And then he got angry because I made fun. I said, how can it be God? The guy's a little fat guy. He never lost one pound in 2,000 years. I mean, God would be able to, to handle that. I, you know, I, so He was very angry right away. Oh, I knew you were going to do this. I'm like, no, no, I just have to get it off my chest. It's all. And he got up and he started talking about the energies in the world and the different energies and how they come together and how they create wind and fire and this. And, I, and I'm listening to this guy. Mom-ish, he they got him. And when he finishes, he says, Okay, Rabbi, what do you have to say? I'm like, The wind and the fire and the energy, where'd it come from? It had to come from somewhere. where did Buddha get it? What's the source? Energy. i like, Energy is the source of energy? No, something had to create energy. And all the guys are like, Yeah, Rabbi give it to a man. Take, take him down. Take him down. <laughs> and I did it in a very nice way. At the end of the day, he had nothing to answer because the whole religion is based on this and this and this, but Lamaisa, source, source, where it come from? They can never answer that question, all the atheists. So where did Hashem come from? I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that everything has to come from somewhere. So, I said, listen, on the way out of Mamish Siat and I said, Howie, Howie, I love you. The truth is, I'm sorry that I said that, that you're going to hell. You're not going to hell. Don't worry about it. I said, I just had to say it. You were giving me a hard time with that girl. I, you just... You push my buttons. I said, but you know what? You were born a Jew. The energy decided that you would be born a Jew. You're born a Jew. Did you ever spend three years meditating about Judaism? You don't even have to shave your head. You don't have to get tattoos. Did you ever look into what's Judaism? Do you know anything about it? Because he does he doesn't. He left in sixth grade. I said, I'm willing to pay for you to go to Eric Israel. I was Kippur. I was going. And to go to Eshet Torah, spend two years there, and ask all your questions. And then, if you feel Buddhism is the right religion, enjoy yourself. Yeah, you pay for it. Yeah, had no money. Like yeah, can I bring my girlfriend? No. So we went there to Israel. I bought him a suit. We were there for Yom Kippur. I sent it to Eshet Torah. It lasted two weeks. He said, "I hate this place." So why do you hate this place? He says, "Too logical." too brainy. I'm into spiritual. I need spiritual. This is not spiritual. I don't want questions. I want to I be absorbed in the energy. This guy was like out there. And he wasn't even smoking. Maybe he was. Okay. Anyway. I said, okay. We'll send you to Or He goes to Or No. So, I'm in trouble now because he comes back to America. He's going right back to that girl. Hashem is Hashem. He was walking in Yerushalayim to go buy food. He met a Lubavitcher guy. Have a good day. <laughs> Fell in love. L'chaim. Dancing. smiras, Tanya. He loved Tanya. He got into Tanya. And he just loved the whole scene. And never, ever did anyone in the yeshiva see that he had tattoos. He wore sweaters. I was there in the summer. Till here. Till here. Nobody knew that he had tattoos. And now, he's there for almost three years. And he says to me, I need to get married. I can't be single anymore. He missed his girlfriend. He said, I need to get married. I don't think any girl in Israel is going to marry me with these tattoos. It's a true story. He said, I'll come to America. In America, there must be some girl that's about Chuva that also has tattoos. We'll get married, and our babies will be born tattoos. Okay, it's a joke. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so... I didn't want him to come back. I was very scared of this whole heaven that all these guys, you know, they hum and they mumble together and whatever. They chant and I'm like, you know, it's, it, it's very spiritual. And That's why a lot of Jewish people go off into that. That was one of the religions that Abraham Avinu, when he sent the Palakshim's children to the east. That was, that was one of them. And it's very spiritual and it's very dangerous because we're spiritual and we're looking for spiritual. Anyway, I said, you know what? Give it a month. I'll talk to you, at We'll try to find you a I called her Sheshiva. I said, you know, Howie's in Yeshiva. At that time he's not Howie anymore. His name's Chaim Shalom. You can't call him Howie, He'll kill you if you call him Howie. Chaim Shalom's in Yeshiva. He really needs a shirok. I need you to help me. But you know, he's a little different. He goes, Oh, the tattoos? I'm like, you know? He said, of course we know. We all know. I said, he doesn't know that you know. He says, we know. We're not we're not gonna tell him that we know, but we know. I said, you think you can find a girl that's gonna put up with two Buddhas, use Yuz- your I mean you can't, you know, you can't pick up a tissue in front of him because you're bowing down to the Buddha. It's like, it's not, it's not a joke. It's very scary. He said, I don't know, I'll try. Maybe Krachabad. It's a okay. Pulled me up two weeks later, Howie. The she read him a shidduch. He's very nervous. It's a girl from Krachabad, And she's very religious. And she's very quiet, I was to- he was told. And Rebbe, when do I tell her about my tattoos? I said, you're going to have to tell her. Fifth date let her like you if she likes you if they like you then maybe she'll see past it or we can work on it but whatever you do not until the fifth day comes he likes her she likes him comes to the fifth day he calls me up in the morning that he's going out that day he says Rebbe I went to I went to I went to, Vesikin, I went to the mikvah I, I, I said whatever he said I don't and all kinds of zachen he says this is it Rebbe do I tell her in the beginning of the day or at the end of the day I'm like you don't tell her anything till the end of the day he calls me up the next morning this is what he tells me they pull into to Kvachabad. He's sitting there, and he wants to tell her, and he says to her, there's something I need to tell you. It's very hard for me. I've never told this to anyone else before. She's thinking, it's the fifth date by Lababish. Will you marry me? It's for sure what he's going to tell her. I have something I want to tell you. I've never told anyone else before. She doesn't know about the tattoos. The dates are going great. What else is the guy I want to say? So said, I have a hard time I have a hard time talking about it. She's okay. Take your time. Relax. He says, instead of telling you about it, I'm going to show it to you. She's thinking he's going to pull out a ring. Some guys can't talk. they like, pull out the ring. You like it? You know what this means? Yeah, they, they don't have to say, will you marry me? She's a very nice girl. She's like, okay. If you can't say it, I understand. It's not easy for guys. Whatever. She says, she says no, I don't, I don't think you understand what I'm saying and he was in a shirt a white shirt and he he says I have to show you suddenly he opens his bite and sure she was like what is he doing and he pulls up his sleeve it's huge it's a really mean looking thing he says "If you think this one's bad? the one in this arm? is a lot worse and on my chest it's even worse and this girl she should have a yam shot vishanam together with him Looks at him and says, "Howie, that's the past. That's skin deep. I don't care. I've never gone out with a boy that is as spiritual as you. He was very spiritual, and you have a tattoo on your neshama, Yud Hey Vav Hey. You have Hashem's name tattooed on your neshama, and that's all I care about. Don't care about anything else." and he says does that mean you'll marry me and he says she said tonight and he called me up and said "Rabbi, I'm engaged that's what Hashem saw on the night of Pesach the Malachim saw all the tattoos 49th level Jews are filthy they're they're full of tattoos (coughs) who said true skin deep but on every Jewish person, of Yitzhak, and Yaakov, every single child of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov has a Koshbahu's name tattooed in that soul. And the letter I'm about to read you is one of the saddest, is the saddest letter that I've ever read in my life. And I have to tell you that I had another boy who joined the Hell's Angels... And he graduated eighth grade, but then he went off to Derek and he went to California. And I met him at a wedding. This is even a crazier story. I met him at a wedding. And he's a huge guy with leather. And, and he had all the leather and the, the beard with the rubber band, the whole thing, the ponytail, alamices with the belt, with the metal, the chains. His, his Harley was in front. And he came up to me and said, Rebbe, I want to show you something that's going to make you proud. I'm like, this guy was tattooed from his top of his head to his toes. It's like, there's not a part of their body that's not tattooed. He said, I want to make you proud. I'm like, I love you, man. It doesn't matter. I'm good. Whatever. I said, you want to make me proud? Let me ride your Harley. He says, no, you're not riding my Harley. This is a true story. He took off his jacket. <coughs> his left hand, shems my witness, had no tattoos on it. I said, what's that all about? He said, you remember you bought me Tzile when I became Bar Mitzvah? And I bought him Gassus, not Dakos, $300 at that time. He said, I still put them on once in a while. And when I was in the tattoo shop and they were doing my whole body, I told them, don't touch my left hand. And they're all hell's angels. In the, he's in the worst place. And They're all standing there. And they said, hey, man, why aren't you tattooing your left hand? He said, my rabbi once bought me something, and I can't put that on if I have tattoos. He said, Rebbe, look, never will I have a tattoo on my left hand. In the filth, in the dirt. With all the girls in the leather in a tattoo shop being tattooed from head to toe and you're thinking about your left hand that maybe he's going to be trilling on it and you don't want to put trilling on all that filth? That's the princess that Hashem chose. That is us. And we sit by the Seder proud of who we are but bigger than that, God comes to the Seder and tells His whole Pamalia how proud He is. I'm reading this letter. It's by far the most painful letter that I've ever read, and I'll tell you why. We have a rule in our seminary. When you come to our seminary, we, we ask you to write a letter of what you think you will be in five years from now. And five years later, we mail it to the girl. She could be married, with kids, whatever it is. We mail it to the girl so she should see what she thought she was going to be. Last week, Wednesday... Daphne Hansen, the head of our school, walked over to me and said, I mailed out all the letters, but I have one letter I can't mail. It belongs to so and so. She overdosed two years ago on heroin. She died. Where do we mail it? I said, Give me the letter, let me read it, and then I'll decide if I should give it to the parents. This girl, when she came to our seminary, no Shabbos, no Taras HaMishpacha, nothing. Dress was shorter than, with no. there was no dress. Totally oppositional, not from, angry at Chasidis, angry at her appearance, angry at everything. Uncontrollable. I could not control her. She was out of control. I took her to my mm-hmm. seminary because there was nowhere else in the world that, she, that, that would take her in. So I took her to seminary. Let us go sit for three hours a day and, and listen to a couple of shihara even though she was dressed totally. And she was given this task five years ago to write where she would think she would be in five years. And I'm thinking a movie star a drug dealer what would she write already? she was so off so I opened the letter I didn't stop crying the whole day because she's not alive so this letter can't come true she's two years not in this world a superstar a special kid heroin is a, not a game it doesn't play games so I want to read you this letter from her so she writes she's writing to herself because she's opening this letter in five years she was 20 when she was in my school. So she writes the following. Dear 25-year-old. She was 20. She's writing to herself. She's opening it five years later. Blah, blah, blah. Mrs. Hansen, that's my our teacher, gave us an assignment to write what we want our life to be in five years. So, she writes like 10 O's. So, basically, at the age of 25, I want to be happily married with a kid. I would want my husband to be from Daven three times a day. Be in college or graduated with a good job. I wouldn't mind if he learns half a day. Or at least have a Seder once a day. I want my husband to be an honest, good-looking guy with his priorities straight. For myself, I want to have a career in a high-class business, preferably with computers or something like law. I would like to have my friends coming over for Shabbos, meals. I want to have an open house, constantly having guests, or anyone who wants to be welcomed. I want to live in an open-minded, from community like Tenek, or maybe I'll live in Israel. I want to go to the seminary in Israel next year, which you never made it to. As of now, I am not Shomer Shabbos or anything at all. But I hope to be a good from Jew one day. Signed, me. Didn't happen. Never got the chance. She never got the chance to marry a boy who's sitting and learning. She never got the chance to have children or to have a house that's open for Shabbos. It's our job in Klayitzchral to make sure that everyone's dreams can come true and we have to stop and we have to help the kids at 7-Eleven in Muncie and the kids that you see because there's not one kid that you see that's smoking on Shabbos that wouldn't write the same letter a tattoo is skin deep but the tattoo on the of Hashem's name is soul deep and the skin after a person dies rots away in the kever and it doesn't exist anymore But the soul is indestructible and the soul is forever. And that's what we celebrate on the night of Pesach. You should all have a chakoshu v'sameach. M'shana bar v'yushalayim. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.